What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, H-Town? Welcome to episode 13, lucky 13 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, uh, and my broadcast partner here, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Blum. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, any place where you get your podcast, Bob's Podcast, Hut, I imagine. Uh, and of course, you can see us now on YouTube. Um, I would say handsome faces, but that's really probably just reserved Ooh. for Blummer. Um, oh, and uh, anyway, I'll f- you- yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but you can find all our links at linktree.com slash Believe in Astros. We're even on Twitter now, at Believe in Astros, B-L-E-A-V-I-N-A-S-T-R-O-S. And then uh, I'm at J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E, and then Blummer27 on Twitter. Blummer, I know you're in la-la land right now. Uh, how's How are you doing out there? I know it's going to be a hot one this weekend, mm. right? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. You know, I lived out here, obviously, for, for a great portion of yeah. my life. And uh, the, what pe- the the misconception is is that it's it's seventy two and sunny every single day, but there are actually two months a year, September and October. And if you're if you've been watching the Astros over the last couple of years and going back to that two thousand seventeen right. World Series, Ooh. those games in L A were brutal. It was smoking hot yeah, out there were- in October. But uh, yeah, this Sunday should be interesting. I know that Arkady. Gosh, Urquidy, I can't remember who he's facing, but Urquidy's pitching Sunday, and it, the it's anywhere between 102 and 106 on Sunday. Yeah, it's smoking out here, dude. Oh, man, nobody wants to be, and there it's outdoors. Like, what do you? You got to be. I mean, I guess the weather's nice most of the time, right? That's the argument. It's yeah. like, well, it's only bad in October. It's like, well, yeah, that's when you're getting in the playoffs. So maybe you might think about that. They do make a thing now called retractable roofs. Yeah, you might want to check and, into. And there's them. a lot of money. I'm out pretty here sure in they make them in L.A. too. Yeah, you would think so. You'd think they'd be able to handle it. Well, let's start off with the injury situation because this is obviously the time of year when every team is facing these kinds of difficulties. And right now, the Astros are no different. Um, we've got uh, obviously, it looks like we dodged. We I say we like I'm the one whose calf is a problem, but uh, Justin Verlander dodged a bullet, as he said. Um, by and I, I was saying in my uh, in my column about the Astros this week that I'm sure everyone uh, immediately after that Astros release was frantically Google searching for <laughs> fascial disruption <laughs> and trying yeah. to figure out exactly what that was. And then we quickly realized um, that ninety-five percent uh, of America's had a disruption <laughs> of some kind somewhere. <laughs> right. Probably I probably have a disruption right now. Who knows? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, we just we aren't really sure. But um the doctors are still checking. But I will say that that is a big deal for the Astros having I mean, because it could have obviously been a lot worse. And with when you think about Verlander and Fromber as your one-two with now Lance McCullers coming back, and then we've got Javier and and uh, and all these other in Jose Urquidy. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a good lineup. You don't want to ruin that, and especially with your ace. 
No, yeah, he's definitely been the leader. And there's so many things for me that are involved with Justin Verlander, just the fact that he, he's a leader in this rotation. Uh, he's helped yeah. some of these other guys in the rotation as far as learning how to pitch. He's 39. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. He's our guy. He, he's going for another Cy Young. And he's a little bit of that old school that's pushing towards that Cy Young. So we were all kind of pushing with him. And then you hear him come out of the game immediately. And you don't get the word. And all of a sudden, the speculation, the panic, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with him? It's got to be the arm. But like you said, once we got that MRI and hearing Justin Verlander talk about it, said he wasn't too panicked about it, and you know, just a a facial fascial disruption, which will heal relatively quickly. And you know, I think that you know, there's a little silver lining to this in the sense that he is 39. He is coming off Tommy John. He's got a lot of innings. He's got Cy Young type numbers. And now you give him a little bit of a two two week break to get right, get healthy, and then make that strong push through September. And hopefully, he brings home some hardware and pushes the Astros into the postseason. So. It's nice that it's nothing too serious, and it's awesome that he's able right. to give that arm a rest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything kind of rest you can give him at this point is a good thing. Um, we'd rather not it be with a facial disruption, yeah, which I, even, facial I find disruption. Stephen saying it a little weird. <laughs> not a facial or a plantar. People are like, is that like plantar fasciitis? I'm like, I guess. You know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll just, we'll stick with what they, also, by the way, kudos to the Astros for releasing an incredibly detailed injury report on Justin Verlander. I don't think I've seen anything like that all year. (laughs) That was an, well, never mind the Astros secretive, you know, injury thing. I get it. Ball clubs are trying to keep taking advantage, but that one was particularly detailed. I mean, that had a lot of stuff. I'm like, I felt like I needed to be a doctor to fully understand it. So, Hey, good for them for uh, putting that information out. That we obviously have some other things we're dealing with. Chaz McCormick's bizarrely dislocated finger. I don't know if you saw that on the on the broadcast, but oh, I was like, I was like, as yeah. soon as I saw that, I was like, that's so nasty. But uh, apparently, he's. I guess he played a little bit in the outfield last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be okay. Just some soreness. You've got uh, Jordan's, con, you know, hand issues, uh, which are still bothering him. Obviously, I think. I mean, what do you think about Jordan? Do you think they should just give him some time off? I mean, they're not going to yes. put him on the IL, obviously. But do you think they should just give him like a week and just let him let him let those hands rest? I think that's kind of where we're at. You know that 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 month yeah. of August was not all that great, but I think that. You know, understanding that the hands, the you know, the right wrist was the initial injury that he went on the injured list with. Now he yeah. has a left hand, so both hands are killing him. Obviously, that makes hitting agonizing. And he had a rough month of August, so why not give this guy a little bit of time and a little bit of a reprieve? Just kind of sit back, watch some video, get treatment on the hands, and then realize, you know what? I'm still a pretty damn good ball player, and when I get back, I'm going to help this <laughs> ball club out because you and I both know as well as. As well as Alex Bregman's playing, who might be Player of the Month, as well as Kyle Tucker is playing, and you get the, you know, the flashes of brilliance from Jeremy Pena. In order for the yeah. Astros to make that deep run in the postseason, Jordan Alvarez is going to have to be healthy, and he's going to have to be productive. Yeah. So I'm with you in the sense: give him a little bit of time, get him right, get him back. I agree with you. I think it's just a. I mean, right now it's fine. You know, go ahead and let him sit for a little bit. You know, it's not going to hurt what, I mean, anything. Eleven and a half game uh, cushion. How nice is this? Right. And a five game cushion over the Yankees as of yesterday. Even Thank crazier. you, Shohai Otani. Wow. For that for that home run that like took care of that for the Astros. I mean, just kind of 
unbelievable to think that they're sitting five games up in the, with the best record in the AL with like a month left. Really impressive. The other two injuries we've got are Aledmus Diaz's groin, which I feel a little weird saying that, but that's what it is. Um, I actually said in my column they're going to treat it with kid gloves, but that might have been the wrong way to use that <laughs> phrase. But um, it seems like he's been doing a little running around on the field, a little bit of throwing. Um, obviously, he's not quite there yet. They are going to obviously be really careful with him with this injury. Groins are notoriously – they're like high ankle sprains and things like that yeah. where once you get one, it's – or uh, hamstring injuries, they just kind of keep coming back. Um, I feel like that's a guy – another guy like Jordan, just go ahead and let him, you know, let him sit uh, for another week or so, week or two if you need to. Let him have his time. No, give him his time, get him right, because Ledmus Diaz, we know, is a huge piece of this puzzle because of his ability yeah. to play left field, move all around the infield, relieve these guys. Yes. And down the stretch, I think, is where you're really going to need a Ledmus Diaz. The only the only problem with giving him that much more time is that Alex Bregman's got to go out there on a daily basis. There's nobody backing him up at third base right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, middle infield, Jeremy Payne is going to have to play a ton. Dubon can play a little bit of shortstop, but he's being used in center field because Chaz McCormick. You know, there's this whole domino effect that is happening right now with these injuries that Dusty's trying to work around right. and try and manipulate. But trying to give these guys days off is going to be tough until you get a lead miss back. So that's why I'm with you in the sense that make sure he's right. Make sure he can play back-to-back days. It's probably the biggest question right now is can he play mm. shortstop one night, move to third base the next day, and give a couple of guys a day off. But uh, a lead miss DS when he is right is a huge piece of this. Puts together great at-bats. Does a great job against velocity and you know as well as i do when you start yeah. getting late in the season and you get in the postseason you're going to start facing a lot of velocity and you're going to need a guy like him in that lineup yeah that's a good point about back-to-back days i hadn't really thought about that but that is a critical thing for a guy i mean diaz you know really is the utility guy i mean he's Ooh. a he's a perfect uh utility guy for almost any team uh <laughs> the sort of like the mike fires of uh of today as uh i always like quoting mike fires because a buddy of mine when i used to uh freelance and do a lot of coverage at the houston press where i'd cover sort of every desk he used to refer to me as the mike fires of the houston press which was i felt like a pretty good compliment actually but now i'd prefer to be called the Aledmus diaz if that were still yeah, the I, would, case I would change because, that uh, to diaz there's a certain connotation <laughs> yes. and uh idea that comes with mike fires nowadays <laughs> Oh, not Mike Fires. I'm sorry. What am I trying? Bill Spires is who I'm trying Bill to say. Bill Spires, Mike yes. Fires. Spires, oh, not Fires. You know why I have, you know why I have Fires on my brain. I'm glad I, I saved fires you on my on brain that. because I Th- saw a story would've... that he was. You thank you for saving me. He was cut from uh, from his. Uh, is it Canadian baseball team he was in? No, I think he was and down in Mexico. In Mexico wasn't right. it? And where I, he I, tried to get a ball, I didn't get a feel... team, and he physical. Yeah, and I just I don't feel that sad about it. Anyway, no. Bill Spires. Much different scenario with Bill Spires and Led <laughs> Bill Spires Diaz is legit. Mike Fires and yeah, you want to be that guy. Yeah, like let's God. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that all day. So uh the one other injury we have is to Ryan Presley's neck, which is, you know oh. I apparently he's I mean, I keep thinking like a neck strain sucks. Like I had a back injury years ago and uh I remember that anything with the back neck, it just drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. And when you're a pitcher, obviously, if you can't turn your head left or right, that's a problem. Uh, but the good thing is they do say that he's getting better, that he should be able to return pretty soon. But that's another guy I feel like, especially with the bullpen last night, four scoreless innings, 
it looks like Montero's starting to kind of turn it around a little bit. Um, maybe you can give him a little bit more rest, uh, especially now that we and we're going to talk about this in a minute with the call ups. You get uh, Hunter Brown that's probably going to start coming out of the bullpen. Maybe I know well, we're going to talk about that. Don't worry, that's on the. Uh, but I think that we do have to we do have to think about that, right? Ryan Presley is so important to the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is basically the Justin Verlander of your bullpen, right? And yeah. so you've really got to protect him uh, and make sure that he's good when the postseason comes around. We keep saying this about all these guys. I mean, they have to field <laughs> some kind of a roster. Yeah, no, they're going to be they're going to be in good shape. And again, the hardest part, especially as being a fan and and understanding how good this team is, is knowing that a lot of these injuries are so yeah. annoying, so nagging. But if you don't treat them, yes. they linger. And the the thing you don't want to have them do is linger and have it you know stretch into the postseason where maybe you've got to skip them on a day where you would wish you would have had the closer right. available. So and you know Presley, all these guys that pitch have these really violent deliveries. So you you know it. it when you have a you neck really injury, do. it exaggerates itself, and you don't want to exaggerate it. And the second the second you start to protect something, it leads to another injury. And I think that's the idea. One thing I forget to tell you guys all the time is that I'm sitting in the booth, getting ready for a game, and I've got my eyes on the field. You know, three four hours before a ball game, and I can see Aledmus Diaz getting right. a workout in. He's running around. He's making agility type move, doing plyometrics. Uh, Joe Espada's hitting Aledmus Diaz ground balls and at shortstop. And then he's taking fly balls in the outfield. He looked very good to me. Uh, he's probably good. taking swings underneath, which is great news. And then, uh, like Ryan Presley the other day, I saw him. He's playing catch. He's throwing a bullpen. So things are kind of moving in the right direction. So that should give everybody who's listening to this some hope. But you're right. Ryan Presley yeah. gives you that closer. You know, you have that one label out there where yeah. you can say, when it's the ninth inning, we have a lead or we're trying to maintain a lead in the extra innings. Ryan Presley is going to come in and do the job. What that does is it creates so right. much depth in that bullpen, and it's crazy to think about that you are you're, you're adding that much depth. And now, when you play manager with Dusty, all of a sudden you've got four high leverage guys, especially with Brian Abreu coming onto the scene the way. He well, has that's lately. another that's another Ooh. one we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, Brian Abreu, he's been ridiculous. And yeah, you're right. You, we do have some high leverage guys that can pitch. I mean, yeah. Uh, even Will Smith hasn't looked bad the past couple of appearances. He's still getting hit a little hard, but he's pitching around stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, if you have the luxury, you know, when you're when you're mm-hmm. up by, uh, you know, eleven and five, and and you have these guys, I will say yeah. that you know, momentum obviously is a big deal. You don't want to like lose some of that by just sort of coasting your way into the playoffs. I do feel really strongly about. Uh, the team that's hottest going into the playoffs tends to do well when they get there. So you don't want to do that. But at the same time, you know, being healthy at this point is obviously more important than uh, worrying about how many wins you're going to get or, or, you know, trying to be flaming hot by the uh, beginning of October. Well, I think if they're if they're a hundred percent, they're healthy, and the, this team that we know that they can be moves towards yeah. that. You know, the clinch, moving into the postseason, they will be playing the right kind of baseball moving into the playoffs if they're a hundred percent. Because if you've got Jordan healthy, that think about when you are on a roster and you've got everybody healthy moving into a big series like a playoff situation. You wouldn't believe mm-hmm. the amount of enthusiasm and confidence that kind of swells up into that clubhouse when you know that everybody's healthy. And the Astros, we know as well as anybody, and unfortunately everybody outside of Houston understands this too. When those guys are confident, they, confident, they go out and they beat people up. They really do. I mean, especially at the plate, it's it's ridiculous Ooh. when they have confidence. They look like 
they looked like the ball looks like a volleyball to them at that point, which is just amazing. All right, let's let's dig into these call ups a little bit because I definitely first before we do the call ups, <laughs> let's talk a bit about Jake Myers. Jake Myers yep. got sent down. It just feels like he needs a, the, to some time, you know. Like the thing that was the so striking to me this year was not so much as hitting. You know, Jake Myers wasn't exactly a hitting machine last year. But the thing that was so striking to me was his arm strength. I mean, it, he was really struggling to get the ball in from center field. Um, and I, I just feel like that's something that is, it's, I don't know if it's still lingering from the injury or, I mean, he's never been, had a cannon for an arm exactly, but it just feels like he's a guy that needs time. He just doesn't feel ready uh, for what they're doing right now. I mean, did that feel the way to you as well? Because it certainly seemed that way from the outside. Oh, I completely agree. I'm not sure, you know, the way he was playing with that left shoulder like you're talking about, not throwing the way he normally does, everything, it looked like almost as if he was underwater and the, the he was so deliberate in how he brought the ball out of the glove and how he brought his arm through and made the throws. And being deliberate gives up 90 feet every single time. I was watching it from the booth. You were watching it from the stands or on TV where everybody, every time he had the ball in his glove, there was no there was no threat to throw a guy out. Every guy was running right in his face, taking the extra 90 feet. And imagine what that's like for a pitcher, knowing that, yes, you did give up yeah. a base hit, but if Jake had to move laterally, all of a sudden it was an extra base hit, turning into a double, and now you had a guy in scoring position. I think that's where... You know, right. you know, strategically, you said we can't have this guy in center field. Now, the confidence of Jake was shook a little bit because of the injury coming back, not having the success immediately when he started playing. I think that started to linger and build, and all of a sudden he was in a hole. And I just did not get the feeling yeah. that he. I mean, I know he wanted to be there, but he wasn't acting like he wanted to be there. And I'm with you in the sense that I think as good as he played last year to be on the playoff rosters, he needed to go back, get the seasoning, get the confidence, get extra at-bats, and really convince himself that he is back to being who he wants to be before he gets back into the big leagues. Because right. it, it sounds terrible and may, might sound mean, but he was hurting the team. And you can't, have, you can't have guys like that on your roster that are hurting the team when you're trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I feel bad for the guy too because he just. I always thought like I didn't think last year he was necessarily the guy. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that he came up because you know there was no longer Jake Marisnik, and you know the center field spot has been kind of a question mark ever since George Springer left. Um, I, I really feel has. like he was he sort of played himself into that role last year, but that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean he's ready to play that role for a full season or for you know, multiple playoff stints. He, I still think he's a guy that needs some time at AAA to figure it out. And maybe that's what he does. And then they're able to either, you know, have him as a bench guy in the playoffs, or if not, you know, get him ready for next season and, and, you know, figure it out, get some strength into that arm and, you know, figure out what you're going to do. In the meantime, the Astros called up a couple of guys. I was, so let me start with, with Yanir Diaz, Yanir, Yanir, Yanir. I've heard Jainer, I've heard Yanir. I, I mean, when he's here, I will ask okay. him to his face and make sure that I get that That's right. That's great. But, I'm but we know who I'm he sure is I'm sure you'll get sure. the card with the pronunciation on it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll get the little we card totally with the do. pronunciation on it. So that'll be good. Just let me know. Um, but uh, <laughs> this guy, I was real, I was a little surprised he came up, especially given the, but I, you know, given the fact that he plays catcher and first base. But I will say that definitely makes, when you think about it, you realize, okay, well, this is going to give Christian Vasquez a chance to DH some. So you're going to get him in the lineup more often, which is critically important because the guy just keeps hitting. 
But what have you seen with with Diaz with the other? We'll call him the other Diaz at the moment. What have you seen with him? And like, what what does he what does he bring? Uh, I was going to say to the table, but in this case, to the plate. Um, he seems like a an interesting young guy. I mean, he's still only twenty three years old. So uh, what what do you what do you see in him so far? So I had I've had, obviously we've had a chance to watch him. You know, if you stream some of the Space Cowboy mm-hmm. games, you get to see what he's able to do. I've talked to uh, Vladimir Sutil when he was up uh, during some of those COVID coaching issues that they had, and I asked yeah. him about Jiner uh, uh, Diaz, or we'll call him that for right now. But right. uh, I heard big stick, and I didn't. And what I mean by big stick is a guy that has some power in there, hits velocity, but he puts together good at bats. And the one tool that Diaz has moving into the big leagues that everybody expects to really transfer and be a good piece is that bat. He puts together great at bats. Yeah, he's got power, and he's a guy you could slot into a big league lineup and be perfectly comparable to some of the other guys in that lineup. But to your point, I think more of it, too, was the ability to be that third catcher, that emergency catcher, if the, if the Astros need it in September, to see right. what it's like having Maldi behind the plate, having a, a Christian Vasquez be that designated hitter, and know that you've got a backup catcher in case you have to pinch run, pinch hit for Maldi, and move pieces around to kind of create uh, an opportunity to go out and right. win a ball game. So I think that's where it's going to be interesting. I don't think that they're going to try and catch him if they can, because obviously you've got two stud catchers. And I, the, right. one, the one knock on Diaz is that his catching ability isn't that great, but I've heard he's got a big arm. So right. he might have the ability to cut down some runners if he does come in. But he'll get in there and play a little bit to see because I think the idea is, you know, could he be on a playoff roster and be that third catcher, provide a pinch hit uh, coming off the off the bench, right. or you know maybe come in in a key situation and help you out a little bit, but also offer protection to allow you to use Vasquez a little more frequently. Right. He's also uh, he's played some first base. Seems to be pretty competent mm-hmm. at that position as well. I mean, yeah, you're right about athlete, his hitting. I mean, he's yeah, yeah he uh, that's why he's got pretty good wheels. Twenty five home runs and I think one hundred and sixteen RBI. His slashing three hundred six, three fifty six, five forty two. So he clearly can hit the ball. Yeah, um, and certainly I don't, he's I hate been to thrashing cut you off. the Pacific Coast League. Yeah, yeah. But if you're driving in a hundred plus RBIs in a minor league season that has about <laughs> twenty less games than a big league season, you're doing some right. serious. And they're not damage. even done yet. Yeah. yeah, and they're not so, even yeah. done yet with their season. Yeah, he is just waylaying the Pacific Coast League. And speaking of that, Hunter Brown. So this is an, this kid, I think, number one prospect in the organization. I think the baseball perspective has it. Everybody has it like 76. <laughs> I know, right? This is this feels like this feels like one of those call ups like in the in the in the you know years past when they would call up somebody and you'd be like, Come on, man, please yeah. work with me. Get that guy, get Correa up here. He's fine. You know, mm-hmm. let him hit. Um Hunter Brown, like the I uh, my 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 dear friend Katya, who's a huge baseball fan, brought up to me the other day, she said, Have you noticed that they've been they pitched Hunter Brown out of the bullpen at Sugarland? And I said, no, I had not noticed that. And she says, that seems to me like they're getting him ready for something. Kudos to her for getting it right. She nailed it. Good scouting. They, they, are, they are clear. Exactly. Very good scouting. They clearly see this guy as a bullpen threat. And look, when he came out of the bullpen in that one, his first pitch was 99, like out of the pen. So that guy, to me, he's probably going to get a start, I would think, somewhere along the way, because he is a starter ultimately. But mm-hmm. Man, if you could get a guy up who's got that kind of heat and apparently a, just a ridiculous breaking pitch, 
Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, hell. why not get yeah. this guy up here and let's let's see what he has to. What have you seen of him? I've seen little bits of his stuff, but not not a ton of it. What have, what have you seen from him? Uh, what I what I've seen is like you said the upper nineties fastball and that game that you're talking about he came in I heard that he came in with a little bit of traffic to kind of you know uh, give the yeah. sensation of what it's like to come out of the bullpen and have guys on base have that experience and yeah. I I want to I want to one up you and I think the first five fastballs he threw in that appearance were ninety nine plus so he's got Jeez. the juice to come in and blow Holy guys God. away and I've also heard Man. that his slider that you're talking about has gotten up to 94 miles an hour and there's only a couple of guys in the big leagues that are able to do that four on his that's what i've heard 94 yeah. on a slider isn't so that's like that's randy johnson slider stuff and that's jacob degrom that's type crazy stuff. and if he's able to yes, replicate that and 100%. repeat it that that's that's wipeout type crazy stuff that we we haven't seen at this level and i agree with you in the sense he's kind of in that carlos correa lance mccullers you know alex bregman get these guys up here because you know they're going to help and i agree with you in the sense the way that they have uh days off throughout the month of september verlander is going to be working himself back in there might be an opportunity to give him that start and see what he can do out of the starting rotation but for right now knowing that you have a, a big badass arm like that coming out of the bullpen yeah. is going to be a lot of fun to watch and i'm kind of curious to see how they actually do use him and get him in situations because is it going to be for an inning is it going to be for two three innings because he's been doing the piggyback thing too and i love the fact yeah. that you brought up the fact that he's stretched out like he can give you multiple innings and that's yeah. where it's going to be a lot of fun to maybe use the new toy hunter hunter brown the way he is because <laughs> that is going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how other teams react well, if he is able to throw that way, if he's able to maintain his control at the big leagues, which we all yes. know is the hardest part. I mean, you and I both know is You're right. you know it's one thing to throw that that high speed, but the other to hit the strike zone consistently with it. Um, because these guys, I mean, I would I don't blame them. I'd be afraid to throw in the strike zone <laughs> to some of these major league hitters too. But you mm. know, uh, if he can if he can have some control, because look, let's say for the moment, let's let's wish cast for the moment and say he does. Mm-hmm end up pitching really well, gets on a play gets on the playoff roster. That legitimately gives you two guys who can throw multiple innings in the middle with him and Christian Javier. You've got oh two gosh. guys that are that can be high leverage long relievers, never mind and if need be piggyback on short days rest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge deal uh, for a team like the Astros if if he can come up here and do it. Obviously he still has to do that. But I'm I'm very curious, like you, to see how they're going to use him. I've got to believe that Dusty Baker is going to, at some point, give him like a, almost a gimme. Like you got to hope that maybe in a, in one game in Anaheim they get up and get like a six or seven run lead, and then you can give him a shot to come in there in a lo, you know low pressure situation to get his feet wet. But I'd love to see him come in there with the you know up by one, two guys on. I'd love to see it just to see what happens. I mean, why not? At this point, it's not like the Angels are going to do anything to you. Yeah, as long as <laughs> they're not, not catching up. Shohei Otani, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, but no, I think his nobody stuff plays wants to face anybody. that guy. Yeah, the way he's swinging the bat right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just think they they may as well use him if they've got him up here. Put him out there. No. No, he's a weapon, and I think you're right in the sense that you do, you do need to find situations where you can bring him in, see how he reacts. Obviously, that first outing, he's yeah. going to be electrified because he's finally in the big leagues, has the opportunity, wants to prove himself. He may throw 105 miles an hour because he's so jacked up. <laughs> I know, I wonder. But 
You're going to give him a couple of outings to see what he can do because, to your point, can he be a guy that is on my roster maybe in an ALDS where we have a shortened series? We may need some length if a a starter gets beat around. And you're only going to have three, not four starters in that first round. And if he if he lights it up, right. then you kind of see how does he fit in the championship series and move on. But he's definitely a weapon that they need to figure out what he's able to do. I, I'm just excited to see what he's able to do. And I'm also excited the fact that they got him up here in September. I know that everybody wanted him a little bit mm. sooner. But I think the idea of once we get back into Houston and Justin Verlander's around a little bit more, you start to get him around guys like Justin, around Fromber, around Lance McCullers, and you start to talk to these mm-hmm. guys and see how they approach the game. That's on, For me, that's only going to make Hunter that much better. Oh, I think that's 100% true. And honestly, I know everybody wanted him up here, but where are you going to put him? I mean, Dude, this you've is got one nine of the best leverage guys out coming out of your bullpen already. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's one of the best bullpens and rotations in baseball. It's like really difficult yeah. to see just cramming him on. He wouldn't have gotten any time, and frankly, it's better at AAA because look, we don't know if Verlander's going to be back next year. We don't know what the True. what the roster is going to hold. This is his chance to sort of solidify a position going forward too. So, Good speaking point. of pitching, you mentioned Brian Abreu earlier. Look, I looked up some of his numbers. Uh, and I was really, I knew he had been pitching well, but I was shocked. Like looking at his numbers, just pulling him up here in, in the last 14 games, he has a yep. zero ERA. He's only allowed seven hits and six walks in 15 and two thirds <laughs> innings. He struck out 22. His whip during that stretch is 0.83, and he's brought his ERA down to 2.08. And that came off of a game in Anaheim where he gave up four runs and two-thirds of an inning. So I don't know what happened to Brian Abreu, if the just switch flipped on or if he's going through a hot streak, but my goodness, he is just unbelievable right now. I think that he, you know, sometimes I think as as a reliever it's tough because if you have one of those blow-up games, all of a sudden your ERA is inflated and you realize how much work you've got to do to get your ERA back down. Maybe that was a little bit of it. But I think it was also the realization that I can't just go out there and throw my stuff on the field and it's going to be fine. He does have phenomenal stuff, but I think he understood – or he's starting to understand, and he's starting to reap the benefits of going out there and actually pitching at the high velocity, high spin that he actually has. Yeah. But I'm really hoping internally, inside Brian Abreu, that he's understanding how damn good he can be. Because this is kind of a flash of the guy that we saw in 2019 when he came on the scene, and we were like, damn, this guy's massive. Damn, this guy throws hard. Damn, that slider was good. And then he was on the playoff (laughs) roster. So I'm kind of hoping that he gets back to that confidence because when he's come out of the bullpen, like you said, those last 14 times, he has come out looking as if he was on a mission. And when he really put his mind to it, the delivery was simplified. The delivery was fluid. The ball was jumping out of his hand. And he's really become a leverage guy. And we've all noticed it because there's been some situations where you typically would see a Stanek, Montero, Mayton, right. uh, Naris, and all of a sudden Brian Abreu's getting up and he's coming into the game and right. he's doing great. And you're going, damn, if this guy, if this is who Brian Abreu is, holy cow, we've got another weapon coming out of that bullpen. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm enjoying the ride. I've always enjoyed Brian Abreu. I know there was that hiccup in 20 and 21, but he's still young. Still electrifying, yeah, he and is. I think he's he's got a great arm and a real asset out of that bullpen. I'm just fascinated by how uh, you know watching him pitch. He has such um, 
he seems so comfortable on the mound. And if you look back yeah. to some of the, the, you know, the times before, he really didn't look very comfortable on the mound. Earlier this season, there were times when he was out there where he just didn't look like he could spot the ball where he wanted to. Um, he was having, obviously, he was having some location issues. And then when he did throw the ball, he got too much of the plate with too many of his pitches. Now it just feels like he knows where he wants to put the ball. He has the ability to put it there. He's super comfortable. His motion is really fluid. Um, I was reading a guy online the other day that was talking about the change. They showed a couple of different pitches from him earlier in the year versus now, and they sort of showed how in the earlier ones it looked like he was almost overthrowing. And yep. now you see him, and he's just up there throwing like you know, like he's having a, a game of catch. And at that kind of thing, when you see pitchers like that, I mean, to me, that just says their confidence, they're feeling their confidence, uh, not just in themselves, but obviously in where they can put the ball. Um, which is a, I mean, I've never tried to throw from the mound. I mean, maybe once or twice, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're always like, throw a ball out before the game. I'm like, I'm not throwing a ball out before any game. <laughs> I'm not going to go full Baba Booey and throw the ball like <laughs> off into the side. I'm not doing anything go like that. and try and hit orbit with it or something. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. I mean, if I could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but I just am always blown away about how a guy can hit a square. You know, the size yeah. of a, a like a, a, a huge dinner plate, you know, from, you know, from that distance, throwing that hard. And Brian Abreu looks like he, he's just making it look easy right now. No, and that's one of the crazy, you know, the expectation when guys come out of the bullpen is they're going to come out, just wipe guys out, throwing strikes. I've always been fascinated by a pitcher's ability to come out of the bullpen with a runner on second, a runner on third, crowd going nuts, and like yeah. you said, they're able to just dot up a corner at 95 miles an hour, and I'm going, damn, dude, there's a lot going on right here. For you to be able to do that is pretty impressive, and I'll always be impressed with a, a guy that knows he has to come out and immediately throw strikes. It's not as if he's a yeah. starting pitcher knowing he's got three, four, or five innings to be able to correct things. If you don't have it right at the moment – you got to scramble and make sure that you you can get in the zone and try and figure out a way to get guys out. So, uh, and then to yeah. do it at the velocity and the spin and set guys up like Brian Abreu's done in the last fourteen outings makes it that much more impressive. Well, yeah, and two when you come out now you have to face three batters, so it can spiral mm-hmm. real quick if you don't yeah, get truly. it right. So yeah, and since we're talking about pitchers, Fromber just had his twenty third quality start in a row, uh, or excuse me, twenty second. He's now one shy of the all-time major league record at 23. Um, I mean, is Fromber should be in the conversation for the Cy Young in the AL yeah. now. I mean, I, I don't know that he'll get there, but he should definitely be in the conversation. I mean, he's one of the he's leading the. I think he's leading the AL in innings pitched. Uh, he's way up there in ERA. I think he's got to be in the conversation, right? No, I'm just looking at it right now, and I've done this the last couple of times. He's at a 2.63 ERA, and he's leading the way as far as innings are pitched, I believe, too. So he's been yeah. a workhorse, like you're talking about. Uh, he's just uh, he's two thirds of an inning behind Garrett Cole as we stand, and okay. he's thrown 164 innings. But the the fact that he has that 263 is creeping up into the top five now. But I think that you know, with some of his peripherals and his ability to go out there and have those quality starts, why wouldn't it put him into the conversation yeah. for Cy Young? Because we know that we know that there is the ability now to kind of extrapolate these numbers and get past the wins, get past the uh, you know the strikeouts, and start to really realize what these guys are doing. And I think that's where Fromber yeah. may jump some of these guys and say, "Look at in in order for you to twenty two consecutive." 
quality starts. That's going at minimum of six innings every time and giving up and three fewer runs. Than three rest. runs. Yeah. Unbelievable. But th- but the fact that he has 22 games and he's approaching the major league record of 24 that Degrom had that that that's something that should be recognized because you are giving your yeah. team not just a chance to win you're giving yourself an opportunity to win every single time you go out there but you're making your bullpen that much better you're making your team that yeah. much better and I hope that Fromber does continue to do this I hope he I hope he breaks that record runs right Me through too. it because. I want him to get the recognition that he deserves. He's worked hard enough, and what a lot of people I talked about on the broadcast the other day, I've heard that he is the strongest guy on that team, not just the strongest guy in that rotation. He is a workhorse inside, underneath, in that weight room because he wants to be the guy that is out there dominant for six to seven innings every time. So I appreciate that about Fromber. I really hope he jumps in because that would mean in the top three you'd have Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, McClanahan, whoever else you want, yep. and then Fromber would be fantastic. Well, it wouldn't be the first time the Astros would have two Cy Young contenders uh, in yep. the last few years, and and certainly really deserving, just a really good guy to, and a lefty, right? Which yep. is you know, which is another thing that's really interesting. So I wanted to get your take on something too. That is this contract that the Mariners signed Julio Rodriguez to. This is mm-hmm. a fascinating. Uh, really, this is a very interesting, fascinating move in Major League Baseball. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Julio Rodriguez, rookie outfielder for the Mariners, just phenomenal young talent. They signed him to a deal that it's, a, I think it's a six-year deal at minimum worth a bunch of money, $200 million yeah. and something. Mm-hmm. But he has, it has the potential to be up to 14 years and like almost half a billion dollars, like 400 and some odd million dollars. <laughs> I mean, we're talking crazy numbers now. We're talking like just insane numbers. But the thing that was really fascinating to me about this is there are all these little caveats. Like if you do this, you get this. And if you do this, you get this. And and there are all these incentive-laden sort of contract. But at such a very young age. I mean, we don't really see guys getting these sorts of deals when they're a rookie, right? And I started Mm -hmm. to wonder, like, never mind Jeremy Pena, He's not going to get a deal like this yet. He's got some time, and the Astros don't give out these kind of deals anyway. But what kind of impact does this have on negotiations with a guy like Kyle Tucker? Kyle Tucker, who's established outfielder, one of the better outfielders in baseball, it's got to be on the, his radar and the radar of his agent, given the fact that he's, he's going to be a free agent in a couple seasons here. Yeah, no, it's twofold. You know, obviously Tucker deserves a contract. It's just a matter of finding that number and nailing it down for both parties to be able to agree to it. But you're right in the sense that mm-hmm. when guys sign these ridiculously massive contracts, that I'm going to show up to the table and say, "Hey, Balky, if you want me to keep doing this podcast, man, look at what Joe Rogan got." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, let's you know, not that's go. what ha- yeah, let's, that's what happens though. Is I'm going to show if I'm Kyle Tucker, yeah. I'm showing up going, "Hey, man, I'm more established than this guy," but they gave him X amount of right. dollars. Let's see how close we can get to that. And then the escalators, like you said, and they're kind of crazy. The, I'm sure there's opt outs later in that contract. It's just amazing yeah. to me. And you have to use some of that creativity. So I do give – there's a couple of things. There's, I do give the Mariners credit for being creative. I give Julio Rodriguez the you know credit for being able to have the opportunity to get this contract and negotiate it and yeah. get it to somewhere where he knows that he'll play in Seattle for a long time. But it also kind of reeked of desperation, too, because they're like, we finally have a good player. Let's go ahead and sign him and lock him down. And Seattle has a history of doing that with guys and not having it pan out. Robinson Cano was probably the most recent. 
But I think Julio yes. Rodriguez is going to be a little more transcendent. I think he is a legit dude in the big leagues. He's got power, speed. He's an electrifying personality. I know that uh, he gets along with the fans up there. But mm-hmm. I also worry about big contracts that are given to these guys because then what do you do with the rest of the team? How do you support a guy like Julio Rodriguez? It's very similar to what we're seeing down here in Anaheim with Mike Trout getting a $400 million contract. Oh. Now what? You're probably going to lose Shohei Otani in the offseason because he's going to garner so much money. The organization is in flux. He hasn't been able to play but maybe three playoff games since he's had these contracts. That's where I think the worry might set in a little bit and why the Astros and other organizations are a little more thoughtful in what they do with these guys. But I hope that it ter- does turn into something that Kyle Tucker can can stay in Houston with a little bit longer. I know that it won't be a 14-year deal, but maybe mm, you know no. half that or maybe a little bit less than that would be uh, perfectly good to see him in that uniform as, as long as he can. Absolutely. And I, I could not agree with you more about, A, that it does smell a little bit like desperation on the part of the Mariners. Like, you know, this is this our next Ken Griffey Jr.? But yeah. the other thing really to me with them is – I don't like these long-term contracts. I know people say we, you know, they they complain about not giving guys like Correa those long-term contracts or or George Springer. I'm I just don't. I'm a hundred percent in line with James Click on this. Um, I think that they are that you hamstring yourself uh, unless you're you know unless you're the Dodgers or the or the Yankees who feel like I guess they can spend any amount of money they want to. If you're mm-hmm. anybody else, you can't do that because you can't give that money to everybody on your team. And so you're just you're right. You've got Mike Trout, you've got Shohei Otani, which by the way, the Angels should not suck with both of those guys on their team, and Dude, yet they somehow you. do. Yeah, they're right? eating up Anthony but, uh, Rendon's contract on top of it too, and he hasn't played. I mean, come on. And this just uh but I, I do think that yeah, when you when you have these huge contracts, and by the way, long contracts, like you know, ten years you know what that guy's going to be like in 10 years i don't know what i'm going to be like in 10 years like you know nobody yeah trust me right i always wonder about that when they do sign these long-term deals i want to know what the physicians and doctors you know how do you get inside a guy's body and predict that he is going to give you you know 120 to 130 games a year that's what I, i that's where my concern on these 10 12 14 year deals is is this guy going to be able to withstand a major league season for that for that many years in a row did you ever have to go through the arbitration process yourself? No, thank no, thank God, no, I wasn't good enough. Thank God, <laughs> I had a, I, I, had, I had a couple of That's opportunities, uh, both with uh, the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, you know, we, my agent did a very good job of getting to the table early and just avoiding the opportunity to sit there and have them listen to them bash me. I yeah, can't imagine what that process might like. We love I, I you. I didn't want to know. But it's okay. listen, we really love you. But here's what we really think about you. It's like. That must yeah, exactly. be just unbelievable. It's like it's like marriage counseling for baseball players or something. It's like it's just it's like you can be honest in here. I don't really think you want us to be honest in here. That's not a good idea. Yeah, I've got my uh, fingers in last, my ears and I'm going la 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 la. Yeah, no doubt. It's like mm-mm, no, I don't want to know. Um, one last thing before I let you go back to your uh, plush Hollywood lifestyle in Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> is what what do you make of Josh Reddick? I mean. Dude, Josh Reddick is one of the best follows on Twitter, first of all, oh, yeah. period. I mean, he's just so good. But going on to Twitter and saying the Dodgers cheated the same <laughs> year as the Astros, and then saying when people said, how do you know it? He's like, they like, what's your proof? And he said, I was there. That's my proof, right? 
I mean, he's playing for the Savannah Bananas. Let's just start right there and mm-hmm. accept that Jake that that this is a guy who Josh Reddick is a guy who's just a different cat altogether. But that's he's a pretty interesting. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and and kind of Astro for life ish. You can kind of feel that. But I do. I I got to wonder what. It, do you think that makes any stir with anybody other than you know Twitter trolls and things like that? I mean, is that anything where other players or people in the major league office are going to raise an eyebrow to that, or they're just like, oh, that's just Josh being Josh? I, I wish it would actually raise an eyebrow. I wish yeah. you know Rob Manfred would actually be like, hmm, I wonder what he's talking about. Well, guess what? The, maybe the reason he's not asking him is because he already knows. You know that that could be one of the conspiracy yeah. theories out there, but. You know, I think sure. um, I, can't, I can't remember who it was, but somebody kind of said, you know, there are other people who have backed up what Josh Reddick is saying. Yeah. They've been pretty vocal about it. And they said, you know, if if the Astros were the only team that were going through and, and, and executing that sign stealing type situation, they would have taken away the title. So guess what? They still have the title because there were other teams doing it. And I think I love the fact that Josh gets on there. And this is more to the point that he could be an Astro for life just because he hasn't given in. He continues mm-hmm. to troll the trolls by saying, he you does. know what, I have my proof and I'm not going to, you know, I saw what happened to Mike Fires. I don't want to be that guy, but just trust me, there's something going on. And I just love the fact that he endears himself consistently to the Astro fans, knowing that he can stir the pot a little bit or get back at some of the uh, fans, because we all know as Astro fans, we've been taking a beating for long enough and actually know that we have a player on our side kind of helps out a little bit. And who knows? I've always wondered about this moving forward at, you know, at some point, you know, there's going to be somebody's going to somebody's going to leak. Somebody's going to give up on it and say, you know what? I was there. This is what happened. So maybe five, six years from now, when everybody's out of the game and things have kind of, right. you know, died down a little bit, maybe somebody from that, from one of those other organizations pops up and all of a sudden you have hmm. this revelation like, oh, there were other teams doing it. Shocking. <laughs> you know, baseball to me always feels kind of, I don't want to use a provincial, but it always has this weird, like, I know all sports are a little bit like weirdly secretive. You know, they have yeah. this sort of like, code of you know protecting each other and all that i understand to a certain degree that's important especially now with uh with the way social media works and all of that but it it is it is to me like i feel like one of the the best things about any circumstance like this is when people come clean right Mm -hmm. if you look at traditionally guys who were say in the steroid era or guys who got caught the ones who sort of said listen i screwed up I did the wrong thing, you know, I made a mistake or whatever it was. People love to forgive people like that. They love to let people go. What people don't like is people who refuse to admit the truth, people who just Mm -hmm. continually either lie their way out of it or scapegoat people out of it. And I feel like with baseball, there just isn't enough transparency surrounding this whole thing. Now, I'm sure baseball is afraid, Rob Manfred and, and everybody yeah. else, that if they open that can of worms, then what does that say about the sport, right? But it mm-hmm. does seem a little harsh that they decided to drop the axe on top of the Astros and let them let them have it. Yeah, part of me believes that they did drop the axe on the Astros because we know that the only reason the axe was dropped on the Astros is because of what the Yankees did previously and the Red Sox did previously yeah. with uh, right. you know the Yes Network and with uh, the, the Apple Watch. It was the Astros that took a right. beating on this whole thing. But how about if you're Rob Manfred 
and you realize this is going on in your in your in your game, you want to protect the game. Mm-hmm. You see what you just did to the Houston Astros, and you went, "Oh, damn! This went sideways in a hurry, and it looks bad." Yep, I can't do this to another team. So that's where the Astros ended right. up being that scapegoat, and they just said, "You know what?" This isn't what I expected. It got bad. You guys are wearing it. Sorry, but I'm not going to let this happen to another team in my league. I think that may be a little bit playing into that. That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about that. I guess that could certainly be right. Whatever the case is, I you know I think we can all agree the Astros have handled it really, really well uh, very, under the circumstances. Um, and and I, I hope that, at least from a historical standpoint, we can look back at this someday and be like, okay, it wasn't the Black Sox. You know, this is not uh, – this yeah. doesn't, you know, rise to the level of what other teams have done. I know there's always going to be – you know, there are always going to be people out there who are going to hate on the Astros and guys like Jose Altuve with no reason. But, you know, and I swear to God, that's the last time I'm going to talk about it. At least for now, because mm-hmm. I don't want to hear any more about it. I don't think Astros fans want to hear any more about it. Um, I agree. But you know, hopefully they win another World Series this year without any cheating, and then they can. You know, what is it? If you want to, you know, what was that line from the movie? If you want to win, go out. If you want to shut them up, go out there and win. Mm-hmm. That's how you shut them up. And the Astros have done that. So hey, good for them. Throw all the trash yep. cans you want. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Blummer, thank you, uh, as always. And like I said, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, which I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to assume it's podcasting (laughs) stuff. You can also find us on YouTube where you can uh, see Blum in his palatial uh, Hollywood estate oh, yeah. where he is apparently yes. I'm assuming I'm you're about to go you're out to renting, my cabana and like, eat grapes yeah <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> I'm sure you're renting like a celebs house you probably got a big pool overlook in Malibu overlooking the ocean I mean come on yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> nice well thanks so much episode 13 uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at B-L-E-A-V in Astros follow Blummer at Blummer 27 me at Jeff Balky. Uh, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E for those who don't know how to spell and uh, we will see you guys next time and uh, have a great week Go Astros Go Astros Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.